Welcome to Born to Live Well with Rebecca Beninati. I am um, so happy that you are listening to this podcast about lifestyle. What does it mean to have a healthy, vibrant lifestyle? Um, I think we all go about our lives living and maybe we um, are attracted to other people's lives and other people's things and ways of doing things and we don't maybe necessarily immediately make connections to what our lifestyle is and how we are living um, but maybe we are in an effort to change our lifestyle or enhance the one that we already have if we're, you're already doing some work. So this podcast was um, it, it's a creation um, an invitation to listen to people just tell the story of their lifestyle, but also to tell their story, just their story, but also how your story does then become and affects and inspires um, and informs your lifestyle, your way of choosing to live. So thank you for listening to Born to Live Well. Um, I am excited to be sitting here today with my friend, Jalen Moore. Thank you. I'm very excited to be sitting next to you, Miss Rebecca. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so I met Jalen. Uh, how old is Lily? Three and a half. Okay. Yeah. I met Jalen three and a half years <laughs> ago when he and his lovely wife, Brittany, um, hired me to be their doula. And um, we might maybe tell some birth story, but that's not the intention of the of this particular podcast episode. Um, I am always curious the uh, perspective of the partner's um, birth story and uh, how they experience becoming a father or a, a mother if the partner is a mother, um, but that is not going to be the focus today, um, but we might dabble in it because your wife certainly, you guys certainly have a very fun uh, first birth story, and you have a very, style, yeah, right? exactly, <laughs> and you have um, definitely a, a birth story with your second born child, mm -hmm. so Jalen, tell us a little bit about you, who are you, and what do you do on this planet to uh, call living, to call your work, to call your mission? Wow, that is a beautiful question. Um, very open question. Uh, hi, everybody. So I'm Jalen Moore. Um, I am an actor. I'm an actor, a writer, producer, singer, dancer, father, martial arts teacher, personal trainer, musician, uh, and it goes on and on and on and on. Where us artists are hyphens. Uh, I've been in L.A. This January will be 17 years. Yeah. And... Um, I have always felt a calling uh, for myself and who I am to be of service to humanity in the best way possible, in the best way that I can within my power. Um, and so I, I guess me in a nutshell is just the guy that will always put family and friends first uh, and, uh, and just always want to have a good time, live in peace and happiness, and, uh, but, but always training for the worst case scenarios to be prepared. That's just kind of the martial arts side of it. Nice. Um, that's kind of a long answer, but you know, somewhere in there, maybe the listeners are like, Oh, I get who he is. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think that so. guy. Yeah. A long list of, He's of, Batman. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Without the billions. <laughs> right. <clears throat> um, you are a little bit like Batman actually. Um, so how did, where did you grow up? I grew up in Oakland, California. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I have two sisters, older sister and a younger one. My older one's nine and a half years older. And my little one is like three, four years younger than me. 
Uh, and then when I was in transitioning, when I was in high school, going into my junior year, we moved to Omaha, Nebraska. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I know, a huge shift from Oakland, you know, from the Bay Area to like, oh my God, I'm in Omaha. No, nobody talks <laughs> like that. Um, that's what I expected, right? That's what I thought. And then I got to Omaha and I was like, oh wow, it's actually a metropolitan city and a big football state. And I played football and basketball. And so I fell into the programs and it was awesome. But we had to relocate because my father works, or he worked at Kellogg's. Oh, okay. So they had shut down the Bay. So we had to move to uh, Nebraska. And um, but it was one of the best things that ever happened to me. At the moment when I was a kid, you know, junior year in this new high school, like, what is this? But then real quick that shifted because I was the most popular kid because I was the new kid. Right, um, that and happens. Because I played the sports and our sports programs there were well-funded compared to what we had in the Bay Area. And, like, I'd call my friends and, like, you see our stadium. Oh. It looks like a university, you know. And they're like, what? No way, you know. Uh, but uh, so for me, that big transition changed my life uh, in a sense where I kind of had a plan. I was... In a nutshell, I wanted to graduate and play football and become an NFL player. Uh, that didn't happen. I blew out my knee my senior year and had ACL surgery. I had two screws in my right knee. But as a result of that happening in Nebraska, there was like an open call audition, and that was all over the place. And friends of mine who knew I always dabbled in the arts, like, hey, uh, didn't you always want to be like an actor? There's a teen soap opera that is casting in Omaha, and the writer, her name is Tari Robinson. She used to write on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, uh, but is from Omaha, so she wanted to bring something back. So long story short, I went to this big open casting call with like a little senior wallet size photo. Oh, wow. And like a resume that my older sister, who was now living in California still, um, helped me with, because I had some theater background and I grew up in dance and I did tap, jazz, ballet, hip hop. My older sister was a dance teacher. I did musical theater, oh. so I grew up in the arts. And so I, here's a senior kid uh, at, a, at, a, at this big audition where actors from Chicago and New York and everywhere drove in for this, you know, teen soap. And I'm here with my little wallet size photo and like a little resume of like theater dance background. And hi, you know, uh, end up booking one of the leads. Oh, wow. And that changed my life forever. Uh, the, the show didn't go anywhere, got shelved, but that sparked that inner pilot light within that artist light. Um, as my career coach, Barbara Deutsch, would say. That's her quote, so I don't want to steal it. Um, <laughs> and there you go. From there, I ended up going to Chicago for a year to study out there. And went to Aquin Studios, Second City. I was working at Rainforest Cafe, Baker Square. <laughs> I was just doing everything I could. Valet parking. I was uh, you know, a 19-year-old kid. No, 18. And then I moved to L.A. when I was 19. So it's got to be my journey of where I'm from and how I ended up in Los Angeles. Amazing. So I hear all that and... I always think, well, who are the parents behind this kid? Who are the parents that raised this kid to be so outgoing and have so many interests and clearly be so supportive of so many interests? Because my son would love to play football, but that's not happening. And um, <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> and also, um, you know, as far as the arts go, obviously, you know, I, I love all of that, but how, what were your parents like and how did your parents, if they had anything to do with um, in, inspiring you or supporting you or encouraging <laughs> you to, to be so um, adventurous and well-versed in so many different things? My parents are a hoot, man. They, they're very old fashioned and old school, but also very supportive. Like, we were like the Afghani Partridge family. Like, my, you know, my mother's American, but from a Spanish background. Um, and my father's from Afghanistan. And so I grew up with just music and parties. Like, I'd have 50 relatives cramped into this two-bedroom, one-bath of a family of five in Oakland. 
every Friday when I was growing up. Just packed and nobody cared. We're just great food, great music. All the cousins are playing, you know. Beautiful. So that that's what I grew up in. So, as, and my dad loved American football. You know, he's like, you want to be a football player. You'd be like Jerry Rice. Yes, very good. You know, hmm? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be like, like Jerry Rice. Oh, Jerry Rice. Yeah, yeah, yeah Jerry yeah, Rice. Yeah. Or play basketball. You'd be like Michael Jordan. Good. Larry oh. Bird. You know, Magic Johnson. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, dad, cool. You know, I don't have that height, but I'll give my best. Um, but uh, <laughs> I'm kind of small and I hit my growth spurt my senior year. But anyway, um, so they were all supportive and things that I did and like martial arts. I had a temperament as a kid. I had a temper and was very impatient. And so my mom was like, we're putting him in to everything like dance sports martial arts and it was the martial arts that really uh helped center me and let out that energy that ag- that boy aggression as mm-hmm. i call it so my parents seeing that that made me happy and as long as my grades stayed i wasn't straight a student but i had like the the b's and a's you know sometimes a c would crawl in there and my dad's like what is this i'm like i'm sorry i don't like math but mm. anyway um and so they they just would all support things i would do as long as it was constructive, um, wasn't harmful to other people. Uh, some would argue when it comes to martial arts or football, but, um, and, uh, as long as I was just a good kid, just, you know, got my, my homework done, was nice to my sisters, you know, and my dad would always just push me to be better. Uh, and my mom, she was the most optimistic woman alive. Like I'd come home, like, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't score these baskets. She goes, that's okay. You'll, you'll score more next time. Like it was always like, that was the default answer or, cut to like in the future to where I'm at now like I didn't get that audition she's like oh well that's their fault they don't know what they're missing out <laughs> here comes the next <laughs> so and then my dad his positive reinforcement was a little different uh my mom was like the big optimist my dad was he was the way he grew up was just like good good well um maybe next time you'll score more like that guy you know <laughs> keep training hard Gentle you know like comparison. it was never good enough right like yeah and and I as I got older I understood where that was coming from it wasn't like he was putting me down. He, that's just what he knew. That, that's just how he was raised. Like, oh, good. Now next time do that. Or mm-hmm. you didn't get the audition. Oh, maybe next time try this. You'll get it. You know? and so that sometimes was a little challenging for me. But, um, Would you have liked him to nudge you more or push you more or, uh, or just uh, you know what? I'm, cuddle I'm, you more, coddle you more and sort of say like, Oh, I just want to be cuddled and held, Rebecca. <laughs> Us men want to be cuddled, too. I'm, I'm just curious. Um, I think so. No, but, but that's the truth. The, like, I think so. What, I'll tell you what it did. And I'm grateful my dad did this because it made me aware of it, especially through... Well, what made me aware of this is I'm very open to like therapy and, and spiritual journey and growth. And so that taught me what what was triggered to me back in the day and what... Anyway, that's how I learned. I I'm losing my words here, but that's what I lear- how I learned about myself hmm. through all this. So with that said, I'm happy my dad did that because for my kids, I'm definitely going to push them to be the best they can, but I will definitely coddle and cuddle and hmm. kiss them. So My dad did kiss me and hug me a lot, but when it came to things like, like that game or that thing that I didn't win, you know, it was that kind of tough reinforcement, not followed by... A coddle. It was like, oh, don't worry, it'll be better. Like, don't cry. Like, you know, right. but if my son is playing, let's say, soccer, or like me, my daughter, Lily, like if she's playing something and loses and cries, you know, I'll let her get her feelings out and then I'll talk to her and go, look, did you play your best? Did you play your hardest? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's all that matters. Nice. You know, and, and then I'll talk to them and I'll communicate saying, do you want to be better? Yeah. And if you do, well, good thing daddy knows a lot. We're about to put you through some boot camp. Yeah, but, yeah, you know, exactly. But if you don't, that's okay too, though. If you want to do something else, it's fine. And that was just a communication my dad didn't have with me. And so that's what, um, 
you know, I'm planning to do with, with the kids as they grow up. Nice. Yeah. Well, you just answered the question that I was going to ask you, which was um, about the affection um, of your dad. So thank you for sharing that. And mm -hmm. I, wanted, I was also going to ask you um, how you are taking from what your own father did for you into your parenting, into your own fathering of your kids. You know, how it's... You so let me preface it with this. To be completely open and honest, because I just feel that's the best way to go, uh, if I offend any mothers listening to this, I apologize, but, you know, it's who I am. Um, my dad was very old school. So I come from an old school mentality, and luckily, you know, and my wife, she's amazing, my life partner, my soulmate, I love her, and so she brings a great balance to the house because mm -hmm. I am very disciplinary and very old school, but she's opened my eyes more to, like, well, we can explain this and do this and do that, which is great, to an extent for me. Mm -hmm. um, so the way my dad raised me was, you know, if I was out of line, and look, I grew up in Oakland, and so, you know, if I was out of line, if I got mixed with a bad crowd, I got spanked. I mm -hmm. got slapped. And I'll tell you what, it worked because it kept me, I feared my dad so much. However, he balanced it with so much music and love and hugs. Right. And he would hold me and kiss me. He wasn't, he was a very affectionate man. But then there'd be the disciplinary side. It was like military dad and then like loving dad. Yeah, I get Not that. explanation dad. Right. But that's where I'll come in. I'll be like disciplinary dad, military dad, but loving dad and explanation dad. And right. so for me, I choose the, the, the path of if my child is, luckily I have great kids and they're so happy and it's wonderful. But if they're out of line, you know, the, they'll get a warning. And I do believe in that sometimes if kids are too far out of line and little spanking is due. But then oh. I explain it to them in regards to this is why this happened. And let's, you know, it's, it's a very militant mindset that I come from. Um, and, uh, but if you, if you coddle it with, with love and uh, an explanation and hugs and kisses, I think it can work out. Wow. And you and Brittany have negotiated this style, huh? We have. Yeah. We have. Um, we have because it's, but it has to be something very, very drawn out. It can't be like, don't do that. And then like spank, you know, it's not that. Um, luckily through my tone and through my demeanor, if, if my toddler's doing something, she'll, she'll listen to me. And Brittany's like, oh, she'll listen to you. Right. <laughs> you know, well, like, dads have tone. this gift of their um, magical, uh, deep, stern, clear, precise voice that just works with kids. And that's mm -hmm. what us as mothers could learn a little bit about because we are so um, emotionally uh, vulnerable and we're uh, by nature men are predictable and strong and clear right and by nature women are more emotional and sort of organic but what we can learn from each other is how to take both of those qualities and embody both of them mm -hmm. but boy I, I remember my dad's voice it was so stern and clear and you did what he said because it was just stern and very clear and unemotional yeah. and my dad was a teddy bear just sounds like your dad, just a yeah. teddy bear, lovely, hugging, touching, so many warm compliments. And so it's so interesting to find that balance. Oh, my dad had a look. Yeah, so if we, my if we mom were in had a, a restaurant look. or in public, mm -hmm. I loved him because he never would lose his cool in public. Ah. But he gave us the look. Yeah. So if, if you got that look, <laughs> if, let's say we go out somewhere and it's the morning. Yeah. And you got the look in the morning, you're like, oh, crap. Like the rest of the day, you'd be like, Dad, hey, like, no, oh, look. You'd be on your best <laughs> behavior because he held that, man. He's Afghan, so he'd hold that. It could be mm. like 
you come home, fall asleep in the car, like, yes, I got out of it. No. The next day, he'd be like, remember when you did this and this and this, you know, 16 hours ago? Oh, wow. And you, man, and you better apologize and acknowledge what you did wrong and, and, and say sorry to mom, whoever it was. Right. And then he'll let it slide. But yeah. you got hot-headed, so. But yeah, it was the look. That look, man. Those eyes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Followed by, though, boom, hugs, A kisses, hug. everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's he's. See, we're yeah. all raised differently, and we all come from so many different um, styles of parenting ourselves, and mm. then we have children, and then we have to figure out our own style and how to take it's the crazy. best of yeah. and take what we really want and take what's current and kind of infuse it to become the best parents that we possibly can. It's uh, it's quite a journey to become a parent. Quite I'm, a, you know, I'm still figuring it out. Like, yeah, when People ask me, I'm like, look, I, I have a, a belief system that I go by, but... Uh, I call myself an ongoing student for life, and that, that has to go with anything that I do, yeah. anything. I'm kind of like the jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none kind of mentality. So with that in parenthood, I'm always open to learning, and you know, I'll try something out, and I'm like, okay, that's not for me, but I could see how that can work, and maybe I'll apply that for this particular scenario. You right. know? My wife, she's made, definitely made me a better dad because she's explained things of like, well, why don't you try this, mm-hmm. and maybe if you keep that aggressive tone but try this she's so cute with her words and <laughs> then you know you. <laughs> and i'm like brit just say it and she'll say it and i'm like you know what all right fair enough fair got enough. it yeah i will and and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't work and then she's like you know what go tell her to calm down <laughs> you know right. so we just we're learning as we go and just one of the best parents we can be you know raise kids that can change the society you know the next generation i can just pull us into a world of Love, happiness, hardworking people who want to have fun. I mean, that, that's really what I think everybody wants. Yeah. You know, in every culture and every nation, I think it's just always a third party that kind of starts things and instigates things. And I just feel that it's really not that difficult uh, if everybody just practiced and spoke and followed what they want in their own home. Yeah. You know, for the most part. That's a, that again goes back to the lifestyle. Like, what are you choosing all day long? What are you choosing? Mm. What are you choosing to do to be happy, to be healthy, to have a lifestyle that you um, can pass on to your children who are essentially living that same lifestyle because you're kind of setting the tone. Yeah. Um, so let's go ahead and uh, talk just a tiny little bit about um, just two, two or three highlights of the birth of your daughter, Lily, because your birth story of your daughter is one that I tell over and over and over again, um, because there were two or three highlights. So do you know what I'm talking about? Oh man, <clears throat> there are, well, there's a lot of highlights. I don't know. I'll tell you the well, the, the, the most vivid image in my brain, um, through that whole wonderful experience. First of all, let me tell you this. Uh, I love teasing my wife. And so everybody listening, I, I would tell her like, oh my God, I was so exhausted. That was tough. Whew, I was sweating. <laughs> I had to like, Rebecca had me like pushing pressure points. <laughs> my, like, like my legs were starting to shake because I had to hold a certain position. Oh man, that was tough on me. <laughs> She's like, you want to sleep on the couch? I'm like, I'm sorry, babe. I'm sorry. Um, you know, us dads like to tease uh, our wives. But um, <clears throat> excuse me, I have, I'm suffering from an allergy attack today because no LA way. is like fall and then 110. But anyway, um, the best experience of that for me, or, or I should say a moment, was, was well, there were so many, but the, the most important one, I should say, is when, when the delivery happened. Because 
my wife is such a champ. Like, I'm a strong dude. I can say I'd rather get shot than to go through it. I was watching her and I'm like, oh my gosh. Like it was her choice. And I said, I support anything you do because it's your body. I'm just, I'm your biggest cheerleader. Here I am. What do you need? Right. I think I would have tapped him like, give me, <laughs> give me that epidural now. But seeing her breathe through it and all the wonderful exercises and breath and breathing technique and everything you put her through and had me, you know, the whole Rebecca way I should say was phenomenal and thank you so much um, for that we're forever grateful and love you because it led us to this final moment where Brittany was starting to deliver and Lily was starting to crown and it was she was like stuck I guess or mm-hmm. you know, yeah she was stuck yep. and um, I, I'm not I don't know all the terms yeah, so that's you gotta okay. make sure baby's head was yeah. a little stuck yeah. and She'd been pushing for some time. She pushed some time, and Dr. Finky, who was amazing, he thought to, oh, let me go get a mirror so Brittany can see, and, and do you, would you like that? Brittany was like, at first she didn't want to, but she's like, you know what, in this moment, yes, I do, you know, yes. Yes. And I remember her grip on my hand, I was like, good God, you are stronger than I am. I'm, <laughs> I'm 200 pounds and six feet, and I can't even squeeze a hand that hard. Oh, my Lord. Um, and he comes back, when she saw the baby's head crowning, it was so painful and she was breathing, going through all these, you know, the, the, the breathing patterns and technique and rhythm. She started laughing yep. hysterically. Yep. And she, I was like, what the, she was la- laughing, she was laughing from gut laughing, gut real laughing from the pain, from every, just the, just the beautiful moment of life. She starts hysterically laughing, which triggers me and causes me to laugh. And I'm now I'm laughing. And then I look over, Rebecca's laughing. The nurses are like, what's, everyone starts, it's contagious. And then Dr. Finky finally is looking at laughs. Me. He's looking at me like, oh my God, keep doing it. Keep making her laugh, make her laugh. He's just, he's so fabulous. And we all, she literally laughed Lily out. Yes, she did. That laughing caught, and it, that, that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, this is life. Oh. You know, and it just, I mean, I, you know, I you're going to get it. me to cry right here. It, it was, it was so beautiful. I was like, did that just happen? Yeah. She just laughed her baby out. She was born into laughter. Like, she was. She was born was, into laughter with yeah. these beautiful, huge cheeks. Oh, and she is to this baby. day just a little <laughs> bundle of light and joy and laughter. And yeah. literally, Brittany was pushing and saying these words, something to like, um, this is the most amazing thing. I can't believe it. Oh. <laughs> I'm just crazy laughing. <laughs> we just started laughing. She's like, I can't. This is great. And then start laughing. And then we're laughing. And she's like, I don't know why I'm laughing, but it's so funny. And oh, then we're my all goodness. laughing. I was like, oh, my gosh. You are my champion. About two weeks. I don't know if you know this. About two weeks after uh, she gave birth to Lily. I was on a pan, or Dr. Um, Finky was speaking on a panel, and I was in the audience. And uh, they opened up for Q and A at the end of the panel, and um, and the final question was, "Okay, doctors, there were five five OBGYNs, um, and they said, okay, um, last question: Is it true or false? Is there such a thing as ecstatic birth?" And everybody started laughing like they couldn't believe they were asking the doctors this question. And the doctors went, no, no, no. And then Dr. <laughs> Finky looked at me, and I looked at him, and he said, would you call that birth an ecstatic birth? And I said, um, yeah, I think uh-huh. so. And he's like, me too. And he's like, yes, it's possible to be in this state of sort of ecstatic 
emotion, mm -hmm. ecstasy, vibrant, radiant, full of like every possible emotion to the point of either <laughs> laughter or tears, but in this case, laughter, and yeah. just be so taken high in life. Um, so I don't know if you knew that. I, I, you told me that, but you just reminded me of that now. And that's, Brittany set a benchmark. That <laughs> is like, wow, it's, that's a good goal for everybody. If I can just laugh. <laughs> yeah. Because laughter heals anyway, right? So you're healing, you're contracting, and you're breathing, yeah, you're, you're pushing. releasing the same hormone that you need to, to give birth in the first place. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so now just let's go to the birth of your son, which was just earlier this year. And I was also lucky, blessed, and honored to be at that birth. Um, thank you guys for trusting me at both the births of your children. I just, it's like oh, the highest course. honor. Um, There'll be one more. He'll be there. <laughs> okay, good. I Yay. want three. I Brittany's like, I, first I, I, see, this is my dad tactic. I said five when I first met her. She goes, no way. For the longest time. Then I'm like, okay, four. She goes, how about three? And I was like, yes. Oh my God. And that's what you That's how I did. Wanted. I knew I wanted to. That's yeah. crazy. So um, <laughs> earlier this year, your son Luca was born mm. and um, that was a whole other kind of birthing experience. We watched some really funny comedy in the hotel, in the, not hotel, in the like hospital hotel. room. Cedars basically. is awesome. Yeah. Um, and she delivered your gorgeous son. You guys met him and um, it was that an was... exciting birth it was also its own little crazy wild beast um mm -hmm. do you want it went to... fast right remember she very was very fast i can't remember was she like six centimeters or something and all of yep. a sudden it was like whoop, boom like, boom like i'm ready to go and they're like oh my god dr piggy's not here yet yeah hold it she's like hold it yeah I and think... he, he got there quick enough but she did hold it i remember because of that that this birth was a little harder in a sense where because she had to hold it and then he came and she delivered she pulled a little bit of her like hip type flexor of... Yeah, it's, it's in that area. There's an exact name. And I can't remember the ligament, but I mean, she's fine now, thank God. But yeah, it was, I was like, oh my God, you're such a champ. Yeah. You were just, oh, I was going to get on the other end and say, Rebecca, what do I do? Just start a push? Like, right. And Finky comes in and saves the day. But um, yeah. yeah, that was that was a different experience. She didn't necessarily laugh that out because she was ready. She's like, I'm ready. Here he is. Yeah. And one big breath and like, woo. But that's right. That was a funny, that was also a funny experience. Were we watching Ali Wong? We were. We were watching, watching Ali Wong. Wong. She, and uh, listening to drum music, Rebecca gets this wild drum music out, and, and Brittany just goes into this amazing trance dance, trance warrior dance that's helping her with the contractions. And I'm sitting here going like, "Where did you find this music? I like it." Oh, We're talking that, music, and Brittany's like, "Squeeze my hips." I'm like, "I'm sorry, sorry, ma'am." Right, <laughs> that that music, that tribal drumming, is my one of my new favorite tools. It came out of another birth that I was in Love earlier that. this year. Um, so. You go home with your new baby boy, mm -hmm. and you had your beautiful, warm, loving family there to um, help with Lylee, because you yes. were going to leave her there where you went to have your son, and you came home to dad and mom and sisters, or just dad and mom? Uh, dad, mom, and my little sister. Dad, mom, yeah. and little sister, and I had... I um, have not met your family, your extended family, but all I hear about is how warm and loving they are and how they are just like the best grandparents and best caretakers of you guys, and mm -hmm. which is why they were here to really, really, truly dive in and take care of you. Um, and so you got home, and um, will you tell everybody what the next chain of events were? Yeah, yeah, it was... This is, a <clears throat> this is an exact example of yin and yang literally, of uh, light and dark, uh, depending how you look at it, but that's what it is in my mind. Um, came home, everything is happy, healthy baby boy, Wiley, my daughter was very, very excited about him. 
and six days later, my mother dropped in my kitchen and died. She passed. She, uh, she had a massive heart attack, fell in the kitchen on the floor, and I heard a thud, and I was in the other room helping Brittany with the baby. This is literally six days after the birth, and uh, she just said she, she's like, oh, she, my mom is so tough. She's a tough woman. She was a, t- my God, she was 5'9", strong woman, uh, was diabetic. She was diagnosed with diabetes when I was born, um, type 2, I believe. And uh, one kidney didn't work, um, joint pains. She just never complained. Hmm. Like, if there's one, I was, I was like, Mom, if anything, you, you could be like a Navy SEAL. Like, she was just so damn tough, man. Um, and... Uh, this is actually a little advice I would love to give to all the listeners because uh, it's predominantly a female thing, which I did not know. So definitely listen to this because um, it could save your or someone else's life. My mother was suffering from a lot of upper back and neck pain and for months. And she would just like kind of hit her neck and like, oh, you know, get them, maybe I needed like a little hand massage or she just didn't think of anything of it because she had so many other pains. Um, and when she dropped in my kitchen, that morning I was gonna take her to my chiropractor and my acupuncturist and just, I was like, mom, I got you. Like, I know I got the guy in Studio City. He's great to be able to loosen you up. She was short of breath when she dropped and I was looking at her eyes. And in that moment she was still tough and said, uh, don't worry, no, I think I just stood up from the breakfast nook too fast and I'm looking at her and my dad was like, oh, I think she's fine, don't worry. And I'm like, no, no, I'm looking at her eyes. I'm like, this isn't normal. So get my phone to my sister and said, call 911 right now. The fire station's up the street from us. They'll be here soon. And I just hold my mom's hands, told her to keep breathing. And I saw the panic in her eyes, and I knew. I looked at her right there, and in my mind, I was like, oh, my gosh, she's dying. Mm-hmm. And in the moment, I was like, F that. Like, I was, I was having a battle in my own brain. Like, screw you. But my intuition was like, no, man, she, like, this, is, this is it. And I'm like, no, I refuse to believe that. So the firemen show up, the paramedics, and they're like, I was like, this, this is her medical stuff. She's diabetic. Has, you know, when kidney doesn't work, yada, yada. And he goes, uh, sir, that's not what we're concerned about. Your mom's having a massive heart attack. And I was like, what? And we rush to the hospital. In 10 minutes, we get to Tarzana Medical Center. I live in Encino. And um, that 10-minute drive right when we got there, the alarms are going off in the hospital. She was on the gurney. And uh, I, uh, I got there just in time. My little sister and my dad, poor Brittany, my wife, she couldn't come because she had to stay home with the newborn and with Lily, and she was so she was crying and she was so apologetic to me I'm like don't worry about it like just you stay here with the kids I'll you know like don't please you have nothing to apologize about she's so sweet we get there and when I saw my mom in that 10 minute transition she looked so different pale sweaty her you know arteries were closing up the alarms that were going off the doctors were like that's for your mom so we had to uh, I got to see her one last moment and um, <clears throat> my dad was just frozen in the corner with his hat and glasses, couldn't even move. And uh, they just got her into the OR, and that was it. Um, she left us for like 10 minutes, and they brought her back, and then she ended up being on life support, and they put her in the in the ICU, and then uh, not even 24 hours later, she passed. So what I want to share with everybody listening is that uh, if you suffer from severe neck pain and or upper back pain, like between the shoulder blades, um, and let's say a doctor checks it out and says, oh, maybe it's a pinched nerve or something, but it doesn't go away. Do yourself a favor and just, just take, take a day and go into a cardiologist. Just do a stress test. Because if my mom would have done that, she'd probably still be alive. Um, it's not like 
men were. My dad had triple bypass years ago, and he had the whole shoulder pain, arm kind of numb, kind of fell a little bit in a park. This is a long time ago. My mom's like, we're going to the hospital, and it saved his life. Mm. Unfortunately, we weren't given that chance with her. Um, and what's odd is the doctors in the Bay Area where they live did suggest finally after all this time, like, have you, Ruth, have you gotten your, your heart checked out? And she said, no, I'm fine. I'm healthy. I eat my vegetables. I'm diabetic. So I'm on a certain diet. And they're like, maybe you should. And she's like, well, we're about to go down to LA for the birth of my, uh, my new grandson. Wow. And so she did call to see if there's an appointment available. And the next availability was in a few weeks. So she said, great, I'll just go to LA, be there for the birth. I'll come back and then I'll, I'll go get my heart checked out. I'm sure everything is fine. And so when I heard that, I was like, oh, it's just one of those things where you can't, you can't go back in time. You can't, you know, it's just, it's one of those hard truths of um, what's meant to be is meant to be. Really, that's it. And, you know, it's like the light of my son being born and then the darkness of me losing my mother at 73 uh, right there. So, you know, <clears throat> so I'm going through that. Um, Jalen, thank you. It's been you. five months. Yeah. But, Thank uh, you for sharing that. Of course. Um, you knew that I was going to bring that up. So for those of you listening, this was not a surprise. But when I asked Jalen to be on the show with me, um, I, I suggested that maybe we talk about that. And he said, I'm all in. He said, it's part of life and I'm all in. He said, I, I basically don't have anything to hide. And um, grieving is definitely something we all have to go through. And it just royally sucks. Yes, it does. There's a, so there's a saying that the, I was on a Navy SEAL show called Six on the History Channel and we got trained by the SEALs and there's a saying that they say and it's called embrace the suck. Mm. And man, did that line really stand out for me this year, you know? And so I just, uh, through the past, it's been five months now, right? My son's five months and my mom passed away five months ago. So through this whole five month period now, I've just been doing my best to you know, have my days where I grieve and I'll grieve hard and I'll grieve hard. Um, and then I have days where I'm totally fine and full of light and I've gone to therapy, I've gone to grief counseling and I've, I'm studying like Wim Hof breathing method, which is actually helping me a lot. Yeah. Um, and I found for me that just digging my face into my children every every morning and kissing them <laughs> and going down through my <sighs> my gratitude list. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to do. It's a lot to be grateful for. Ooh, it is. <clears throat> I just wish she was still here, man. She was my best friend. Um, but uh, you guys were super close. <sighs> oh man, I'm a mama's boy. But mm -hmm. uh. You know, it's it's been helping. It's the gratitude list that somebody, well, my wife reminded me of that, but other friends too. Like, just continue to. It's easier said than done, but I would be told just continue to go down and listen of, of what you're grateful for. It really helps. And I was like, no. And then you know, and I'm like, okay, yeah, it actually does. Yeah. Um, and uh, right now, as I'm on hiatus in between shows and, and films, I'm um, I'm going back to being of service to people and have a big background in, <clears throat> in personal training and. Um, and teaching self-defense and stuff and so and workshops and so I uh you know that's why I'm um I found that going back into being of service uh for people uh and and guiding them to whatever they need into finding balance 
uh, optimal health or, or raising the bar of their inner warrior spirit. You know, that's kind of what I, my forte is. Um, that's been helping too. You know, and I know I can hear my mom in my head <laughs> just saying, you know, it's good. Yeah, she, she was always a, a woman of quick, like, like if I didn't get something, she'd be like, oh, you'll get the next one. <laughs> like that was it. Mom, boom, done. And I can hear her now saying, oh, that's what, yeah, that's what you do. You just keep going. You just one foot over the other. There's nothing going. else you can do. Just keep going. Keep going and, 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 and be happy you're alive and healthy and your children are healthy and your wife's healthy and just it's all you can do. And that, right. that was my mom. Yeah. I, um, I lost my dad two years ago and all of the things that they say to us when we're little we really do hear and we really do live by those things that our parents tell us positively or negatively which really impacts my parenting and i know for sure it's probably changed the way you feel about talking to your kids and doing things in a certain way because you realize wow your mom's voice is so clear in your head as is my dad's and just it's it's amazing the power of parenting and it, as exhausting as it is mm-hmm. it's just so it's the most powerful job that we get to do that we're blessed to get to do on this planet to leave our little ones with such strong clear messages um, mm-hmm. and so that when we're not here that they have such clear memories and and um, stories and phrases silly annoying maybe phrases i'm <laughs> sure my kids are going to remember some crazy things that i say yeah. but you know i i lost my brother also when i was pregnant with my daughter and that was oh. a whole other story that maybe i'll get into in another podcast but um i remember a couple of things about that and um you know when you lose somebody you basically have to redefine who you are and who everybody is in the family and how to have a family without that person and the dynamic definitely shifts around a lot um oh, so, the holidays are going to be hard this year yeah, yeah the first year. of everything is definitely just another big bummer that we have to go through when we're grieving um one thing that a piece of advice that i got when i was grieving my brother was to make sure I had somebody to love, which of course, um, and something to do and something to look forward to something to do, like something to show up for and something to look forward to. And the thing that saved me was the looking forward to, because of course I had people around me and I had my kids and I had my, uh, ex-husband. I had my, my mom and my other siblings that were still here and my dad at that time. But I, I, uh, really had to have things to look forward to because that helped me get out of the stuckness of the kind of grieving that you just don't feel like you can get out of bed and keep going. So um, I, I share that to you That's listeners fantastic. that are grieving. Um, and that is a little piece of gem advice from my wonderful dear friend, Desiree Rumba, fellow yoga teacher. Um, so, and I give that to you today, Jalen, just to keep remembering to have things to look forward to, whether it's a kid's birthday party or a barbecue or a road trip or something. I know you might be going to a big gala this weekend, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and something to do. That's very important. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. You got to keep yourself busy. Can't let the mind talk too much unless you're meditating and you clear it. Yeah. Um, I, I want to share, I will tell you that what one thing my mom's death did teach me it's like I already knew, but then this was a hard reminder. You know, you always hear like life's too short, uh, right? How, how many times all you listeners out there, right? It's like how many times you heard that, but it's true. I'll tell you what, 
it doesn't hit you until it hits you. And literally, like, you know, my plan was, yeah, my mom and dad are, you know, they're in their 70s. They'll be around another, like, 15, 20. They'll be around when I win an Oscar one day and, and or a Tony. And they'll be here when my movie's going to be made. That I wrote. Like, I just had this plan yeah. in my mind. And then I can, I would have the income uh, that I desire to be able to take them all around the world because they haven't been able to travel much. Mm. That's all I wanted to do, you know, and um, this is give them experiences. And I, luckily I was, I was blessed enough to, when I was filming my show in Vancouver, I was in a financial place where I could, I flew them up, you know, and it was first class, wasn't making that much money, but mm. flew them up on, in a nice comfy business class. And took care of them and took them everywhere through Vancouver and up, up in the mountains and this and just to be able to give my mom that experience, you know, and my dad, my sisters told me that when they got back, they, they, they couldn't stop talking about it for months. Like, oh my God, it was so beautiful. And, and he took us on a boat and took us out in the ocean. And my mom loved the ocean. Mm. Uh, we, we, we had her cremated and poured her ashes in the ocean. She always wanted to be poured underneath the Golden Gate Bridge and that's what we did. Wow. So, uh, but... Back to what I was saying was life is just too damn short. Yeah. At any moment when you think someone's so healthy, they can drop in your kitchen and they're gone, literally. And so I really just share that with you all because I've heard it. And every time I hear it, I'm like, that's true. That's true. Life's short, but it doesn't affect me like it does now, obviously, with this heavy loss. So if you could somehow let that sink into you for real, right? Like it is too short. Use that to push you in a way and living the best life you can live. That'd be the best thing I can say is every day you wake up, ask yourself, am I living the best life today I can live? Instead of saying, well, I'm not in that mansion I want, or I'm not in that thing that I want, which is easy to say. And sure, write that on a goal list, but perhaps sit there and go, am I living the best life today that I can live? Am I going to put down that donut and go have a wheatgrass shot? Right. <laughs> am I going to go to this yoga class even though I don't feel like it? Right. Um, what little micro steps could you do every day that could lead up to compound steps, right? Kind of like a stock. That's right. To make you the best you can possibly be yeah. inside and out. Um, on that life is too short, one thing I've been doing to make to take action with that very thing is that no matter how awkward it may be for anybody else, um, when I'm feeling something, if I'm feeling, you know, some great love or appreciation or respect for somebody that I am with, um, I, I want to make sure that I tell them. And so it led to some awkwardness between me and some of my private clients because mm. I've told them how much I love them. And they're <laughs> like, wow, this is a little weird. But, Not um, me. Bring yeah, on the love. But Bring I know I can't hold it back. And life mm. is too short. And if I were to die tomorrow and never be able to tell people that I care about, that I care about them, not my immediate family, but so many people. I come and encounter with so many people that I find it so important to say, you're so great. I love your energy. I love you. I love what you're doing in the world, which is another reason I started this podcast because mm -hmm. everybody has, I'm getting emotional. Um, everybody has something to give and everybody has something to share. And everybody comes from some place that has led them to where they are, and we and life is short. So it's a way of getting the stories, everybody's story out there, not just the celebrities, not just the heroes, but everybody. Everybody in their everyday is a hero, and you are a hero. I know you have been an amazing hero for your wife 
and um, it was a time that you expected that you would be able to really be there for her and adapt to having a family of two, and the whole predicament just changed right before your eyes, literally, and you still were quite heroic in the way you um, held yourself and your family together for your dad, your sisters, your wife, your newborn son, and your daughter. And um, it makes sense that you do what you do. And um, you can find Jalen Moore live at my new studio, Wellborn Lifestyles in Sherman Oaks. Jalen's going to be teaching. We haven't decided on the name yet, but just imagine a class with Jalen where you are getting fitness, health, body, mind, mental strength, focus, flexibility, uh, fun, inspiration from this vibrant, amazing soul who's been sitting with me today, who you've been listening to. So, um, Jalen, thank you so much. I've, thank you. <laughs> you and your wife and the energy that you guys have is just um, completely contagious. And, and um, I'm just so glad that we have maintained a friendship through, um, through our years together and through, I guess, one more baby to come. That's, well, of course. I mean, I, we love you. I love you. You know, that's, you can't say that enough to people. I just want to say real quick, it's funny that you, when, as you said that, I'm the guy. All my all my dudes, you know, all my all my boys, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that when I talk to them on the phone, it's funny. Uh, they 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 point out to me sometimes. They're like, man, you know, you're the only friend that I have. That every time you hang up, you go, love you, bro. Mm. And and it's funny because newer friends of mine that are in my circles, that's just who I am. I, it's it's cute to me because I'll hear these like masculine men, uh, you know, at the end of a conversation, I'm like, love you, bro, and you'll hear them go. Uh, yeah, but uh, uh, yeah, love you too. Yeah, like, you know, it's kind of funny. And, well, and then when they figure out like that's how I am. Like every time they try to give me a high five or like a little cool bro handshake, I, I dismiss it and just give everyone hugs. You know, yeah. that's more so hugging. I, I just when you said that, it reminded me of I'm the same way. I tell everybody like you know I I, I genuinely do. I love you. Yeah. You know? yeah I love you. you. I love you too. I love all you listeners for listening to her because I... we all love Rebecca and I call her the mayor of the valley because she <laughs> knows everybody. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And on that note, um, thank you for listening to Born to Live Well. And uh, there's another mayor of Uh, the valley that will be on the next episode that I'm getting ready to interview next. So thank you so much for listening to Born to Live Well, a podcast about lifestyle, well-being, wellness, life, living, death, grieving, everything. Uh, Stories not just by me, but by wonderful people who are living their fullest life. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you.